Hello and welcome to the Self-Consciousness Podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Way. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so happy that you're here. Today's a really good episode. We have Nick Polizzi. He is a producer and director of feature-length documentaries about holistic alternatives to conventional medicine. He is the founder of The Sacred Science, director of the feature documentary by the same name, and author of the book based on the film. He is also the co-author of Exhausted, Trauma, and Conscious Parenting. Nick is really living his mission to honor, preserve, and share powerful evidence-based healing technologies with those who have been failed by modern medicine and the system as a whole, i.e. everybody. His work really is for everybody. I've known Nick and his wife, Michelle, for over 15 years. Um, They have been working tirelessly at bringing information on healing, shamanism, herbalism, energy medicine, environmentalism, and consciousness into the public sphere. You can find them at thesacredscience.com and go ahead and sign up for their newsletter if you aren't already. Today we discuss some of his upcoming projects and delve into topics like conscious parenting, ancestral healing, and some pretty great ayahuasca stories. So Again, we are so happy that you're here to join us, and we really hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Nick. How you doing? Nick Polizzi, welcome to the show. Nick Polizzi, who the hell is he? (laughs) Oh my God, I was doing a rapper. I was doing a rap, or like Alan started off. He was like, my name is mom, and I'm here to say... And of course, I was like, I like Fruity Pebbles in a major way. Yes. And I cringed as I said it. But I feel like the goal of aging is to be able to say that without cringing. Yes. And that's what I've reduced life to. Who said that? Was that on a commercial? Was oh, it was a commercial. It was a Flintstone cereal. Yeah, but who did and it was that was that a major like it was it was not Fred. It was I was gonna say Rob it was Robin but yeah the Robin of the Flintstones Barney (laughs) interesting so so he's not it's not like some like rap artist from the 80s ever was jumping on the screen and saying in his Barney voice he was trying to do a little a little it was Barney he had a little run DMC hat on with his blonde hair sticking out from underneath I think he may even have had a big necklace Oh, man. Ah, the 90s, 80s, yes, 90s, 90s, 70s. <laughs> well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so happy to have you, obviously, like for obvious reasons, just because the work that you and Michelle, of course, have done over the last 15 years um, has just created such a strong impact on the world. Um, it's really amazing to watch. You know, you're an author, you're a director, you're a producer. Um, and I, I'm not going to get into like the usual sort of like, how, how did this journey start? But I, I did listen to a recent podcast that you guys were on and uh, you had mentioned, you said, you know, I know my purpose mm-hmm. and I just want to know if you're open to sharing what that is and how you knew it. And has it, morphed over the years i have a question for you before i even get into that yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. What was I like before? You were okay. So I have this one big memory. Um, when you guys came over for Alan's birthday, it was like a surprise party. I think I've told you, I've told, I've told you this in recent years, you, you had like, you brought over chocolate, mm-hmm. but it was like real chocolate. It was like nicely made. And I remember feeling fancy. Cause I like wrapped bacon around prunes or something for the event. And uh-huh. like you had, you brought over this, this chocolate and, and I was like, this is fascinating, but you were just so excited about oh, sort man. of like, <laughs> Don't cringe. Don't cringe. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, you know, the sad thing is There's I don't think no changed, cringing uh, over 40. No, no, no. That's no, the yeah. rule. I think we actually made that chocolate. You like made the happened. chocolate. Yeah. We and made, you were was, like, was quote unquote, raw chocolate. Yes. That's right. Made without any emulsifiers or there was like a whatever. Wow. We're such nerds. I can't believe we did that. It was that. so nerdy and I loved it. And I was like, I want to like this. <laughs> I know it doesn't taste nearly as good as what I what I normally eat, but I mean, it's something about it feels like it's something about it feels right. Like this yeah. is what we should be eating instead of the crap that we're feeding ourselves with. But um, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I remember that too. And then you know we proceeded to you know I brought over the fancy you know raw chocolate, and then we just you know probably ended up um, doing shots of you know Jägermeister. Like you probably know. we definitely like neck like. Ne- like whatever good effect the chocolate wood is going to have on us we were going to you know yes negate slightly, it slightly schizophrenic in our um in our health choices <laughs> no but like that's how you start right you know you have to like take little steps at a time you know wash it down with some jaeger or like you know mountain dew yeah you gotta you gotta Precisely. get there somehow <laughs> man so your your question was uh how i got on this path or what we well you had you had said in this in this interview you said you know i know my purpose and you didn't say what it was Mm -hmm. and i think that's 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 great i mean you don't need to kind of give away your power but i mean i think anyone who knows the work that you do and the sacred science of course um you're really the start of your career in this field i guess i would say yeah uh do you feel like looking back, um, you know, and, and do you feel like looking back, you, you always kind of knew what your purpose was or, you know, now at this point in your life, you say, I know what my purpose is. So, so what, what does it, what does it feel like right now? Like today? So Friday. <laughs> Friday is Friday. TGIF. Yeah. Um, uh, what it feels like is, the way I started was through a health crisis. And I mean, I, I don't want to speak in like sound bites here because I've told this story a few different ways um, just for like on docuseries and things like that. I'm just, but it really is where it started. Like it's when I think about like, why the heck are you on this path? Like I would never be doing anything like this if it wasn't for the fact that I got sick, so to speak, in my early 20s. I was no, totally living a life of a normal, you know, uh, post-college Italian-American living in New York City, footloose and fancy free, chasing girls, trying to make some money, but really just trying to have fun and, um, well, I guess, live your free, your freest years in your early 20s when I started experiencing 
symptoms of something that was a pretty darn serious health problem. And my family comes from a Western medicine background. The ants on my mom's side are all nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first inclination was for me to go to a neurologist and they had the best neurologist, you know, in Connecticut, I won't say his name, um, not because he did a bad job, but just, I don't know if he would want me to mention his name here. Um, mm-hmm. One of the most hard to get to neurologists, um, getting an appointment with neurologists was the first person I went to go see and tried that for like six months. It didn't work. They put me on medications. They didn't work. They did head scans and MRIs and things like that, that were inconclusive. And my conditions, my condition, my symptoms just got worse and worse and worse. Um, and so I, I initially thought this was going to help me. And then at some point they said, Hey, that all this stuff didn't work. So we're going to start doing something more preventative where we're going to put you on these SSRIs that will maybe, that will definitely change your mood, alter your perception, but also could have a a good impact or a good effect on, on what you're experiencing. And so I said, I said, no, I guess that was cool. I was young, but I was still here enough and mature enough to know that I didn't want that to happen. So that's how I got onto the path of, of natural medicine is I lived in Brooklyn and I just started like trying to figure out other things I could do to get better and going to the, you know, the local health food stores and going to the botanicas, which are these really cool places in New York city and other major cities in the States where it's like a, it's more of a, um, it's a health food store, but for people from Latin cultures, you know, a lot of Latin cures, Latin mm. r- r- rites of passage and, and things you can do at home um, uh, to get, help yourself get better. And these, these are like hidden throughout like the, the major cities of the United States. Anyway, started going to all these different places and, and I started piecing together my own healing protocol and it's a long story, but within like four or five months, I had healed myself using energy medicine and using herbs and using some more intense rites of passage. Um, I was no longer experiencing any symptoms and I had come away from it, not just healed on my, on the physical level, but also with a lot of wisdom and knowing myself much better than I ever had. And that's kind of led down this path. You know, I made a documentary about one of the, the really understudied and profoundly transformative practices that helped me, which was shamanism, which, which lives kind of at the core of a lot of these natural medicines. It's, it's the origin of a lot of what we would consider to be holistic medicine and alternative medicine. And, um, it's not really talked about. It's stigmatized. Um, it has been at least for a long time because it doesn't fall into any one of the major world religions and kind of is at odds with them. But so from my own healing journey, I started finding things that needed to be shared because I knew they had helped me so much and I wanted the world to know about them. And they, that took me into this, I don't know, Bill and Ted's phone telephone booth back into, you know, thousands of years ago where I've met a lot of people and it's just been an amazing roller coaster ride ever since then. I just got off of a really cool exploratory call with my dear friend 
Dr. Troni Lodog, who's a, an herbalist and a um, ceremonialist in some of the traditions of the First Nations. And she's someone, you know, we're co-creating a course on the divine feminine with mm. right now. And I would, I, it's just, I talk to people all the time that are, I'm just blown away by like who I get to chill out with. And, and also the fact that they want to hang out with me. It's like, wow, how do, you, <laughs> how do you want to hang out with me? But I think that there's a truth. I think that we're all truth seekers. And I think that would be sort of what I fall into, you know, that category. I, whether we're talking about spiritual issues or social issues or anything in between, I think that I'm interested in people who are trying to find the truth and who are not afraid to ask questions and poke back at their reality to find the places where it's strong and there's no, you know, where there's no illusion and then poke, poke at places where maybe reality is a little weak. It's a little flimsy and that there's more exploring that needs to be done. So it's kind of that, that's kind of, that's kind of the motto is just trying to understand what's the good that we want to hold on to and what's the BS that we've been fed that we need to let go of. How do you, how do you notice how things have changed since you started this journey, kind of like being out there in the world, obviously living through a pandemic and experiencing just the downfalls of really the result of thousands of years of uh, crap, uh, treating the earth like crap, ignoring, you know, indigenous medicine and traditions. How do you notice just in the last five years or so how things have kind of changed? Do you feel like things are shifting to a more sort of holistic view? Or do you feel like there's a harder push from like pharmaceutical industry and, you know, even media industry to, to really kind of keep that stuff managed or, you know, profitable? I feel like more people are asking questions now than ever, or at least ever in my life. Yeah. I think people are open and ready for this. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, there's a lack of trust in the major news sources and in the government itself. I think we all, we all see that. And in some ways it's terrifying because, you know, we're not unified by some, whatever the, whatever the war song is that we've been chanting to ourselves the last 100, 200 years as a country, or at least here in the States. But at the same time, it's a gorgeously, I don't know, there's so much opportunity here that people are actually, are actually starting to piece together their own reality and start starting to find people that resonate with them. And so I think that we're in a really interesting time where people are realizing they don't need to take what they've been, what they've been told. And so that's cool on a social level, but it's also really cool on a spiritual level. I mean, this, this course I was just talking about, you know, it's funny. I'm not, I'm not trying to shout out this course at all, but no, no, no. shout out away. But it's this idea like the, the divine feminine, like you could easily say, Oh, the divine feminine. Yeah. So women like, you know, starting to really tap into who they are and, you know, really know, you know, that it's time to kind of come together and really embrace blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's totally not what it is. It's like, it's, it's the conversation has, has become much more complex and much more beautiful than that. It's like, no, like the divine feminine, like, you know, the fact that we humans have this, these two streams of energy 
that are going through us at all times, masculine and feminine, and they can be in balance or they can be out of whack. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you identify. It doesn't these are simple truths that have been known forever. Whether you want to go back to ancient Chinese medicine, talking about the yin and the yang, whether you want to go to Egyptian mythology and cosmology, whether you want to go into Amazonian shamanism, which is where I first realized it. I think people are starting to realize that there's so much more, there's so much more going on inside them than what they've been told and so much more going on inside them than what, you know, biological equipment they've come into the world with, you know, that I just, I just think that we're going to see some really interesting um, shifts happen in our mm-hmm. culture in a very, in very short order. And I don't think it's necessarily what you see right now. I think that what you see right now is just the beginning of us trying to like shake off this paradigm that's been foisted upon us. I think that it's going to become much more graceful and fluid um, as we continue to like make mistakes and understand ourselves and really be true to the essence of who we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm all about understanding how feminine and masculine interplay within us. And I mean, have you felt any resistance from like, have you experienced any resistance from people being like divine feminine? <laughs> we, I'm trying to stay, steer away. I've already tried to steer away from this, this trap that I fall into every single time. I'm talking about this stuff at least five times in this, in, in our talk so far. Um, I tend to try to talk about uh, documentaries that we're making or the documentaries that we have made because I'm just, I get so excited about these things. Yeah. But um, we humans like to label things. And it's not like, not like necessarily like prejudice and, and that kind of stuff. I'm saying we just like, we love our words and we like to, we like our words. It seems to me we like our words because if you know the word for something or you know the five words that can be, that can describe something, then you can stop really trying to investigate exactly what it is and keep on moving. It's almost like a survival mechanism Mm, where once you know that that right there is a light and you know, there's electricity going into it, then you can almost just continue. You now you, now you know enough, or at least you think you know enough to continue navigating your reality. And you can converse in that thing relatively fluently. You can ask somebody to change your light bulb. You can ask an electrician to come to your house because your electricity is out, but you don't really need to understand what electricity actually is. And you don't need to understand, you know, what a light bulb is actually made out of or what, what those subcomponents are actually made out of. I feel like a lot of what we're starting to unpack as a culture and uh, as individuals is we're trying to unpack the underlying realities that can't be described by our words. And so I guess when you ask, do I face any resistance to the idea of divine feminine? I think what I what we we notice is that people immediately think they know what it is. Mm. They they've been told what femininity is, and they know what a female is. They kind of understand what the word divine means, and so they're just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, got it. Yep, it's kind of like it's it's that. I get it. Yep. But as opposed to really trying to investigate all of the things that are happening in your reality, and as if you're a newborn and you're just starting to poke at these mm-hmm. things again, because I think a lot of, especially in the, with the work that you do, being a channel um, and being in, in being intuitive, it requires you to forget everything that you think you know and to mm-hmm. shed all of the all of the the presumptions that you might have about a person or a situation, mm-hmm. and just be and like be be a receptor, you know. 
for everything going on around you. So you can pick up on all of the energies that are coming to you. Yeah. I feel like that's kind sucks, of what's going no. what'd you, what'd you, what'd you say? I said it sucks, man. Sucks, I know. <laughs> just God, no, man. I, Why you. can't you guys feel this shit for yourselves? I know. I'm well, just because, feeling it for everybody. Because no, just everyone's so in their story. Everyone is so inside their own story. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, it's me included. Like, I mean, every, yeah. anytime I do the work, it's, it's about literally every time I have to strip away what the hell is going on with me today, figure mm -hmm. it out, clear that shit out, you know, and then hopefully move forward as a hollow bone. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, but that, that's, I think the, the, the biggest thing with, with all of this is people think that they, that they understand it. And I mean, I'm, I'm saying people like myself included, obviously. Oh, um, I don't understand it. I don't, I definitely don't understand it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, so it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a humbling experience. And I feel like we're all just, you know, hopefully being humbled together and starting to realize that there's a lot more, there's a lot more going on than we've, than we've been told or that we, we think there, there is in front of us. And I guess I just wanted to I just wanted to do what I said I wouldn't do and talk about this documentary that we're probably gonna be making in a couple of years, which is called Words. And it's, 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 it's up the, the- Oh um, God, Nick. <laughs> I'm rubbing my hands together. I'm like, ooh, I can, I mean this, yeah, go ahead, speak. <laughs> speak I, the words. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not, it, I mean, words is like a working title, but a lot, the, the, word, the working titles we have for our stuff have a sneaky way of becoming the actual title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's really just about this one thing. It's about this, this tendency we have as humans to slap these symbols on things so we don't ever need to really think about them anymore. You know, and how if you really want to understand the mystery of the universe, it's not about, you know, fake finding some technology that's going to blast you off into space and at light speed. It's about, it's almost a, 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 pro, a practice of stripping away all of these layers of words and, and symbols and you know stories that you've been told about a thing mm -hmm. so that you can actually start experiencing what's in front of you as opposed to taking a pass on pretty much everything besides the one thing that's you know that seems yeah. to be getting you from point or a like to point B. relying on memory or association where everyone's association and memories are different yeah like how do you find one like uniform yeah. I love that. I have so many, like, I have so many theories about, about that, especially right now, especially when people, I feel like in the last couple of years, people have had trouble expressing themselves or they're had, or they're experiencing like brain fog. And I, I truly believe it's because we are expanding in a way where we don't literally have to say the words anymore. We're evolving to a place where we're gonna be really exercising our telepathy where, you know, we, we are all psychic. I mean, I, you know, I've told you this a million times, like we're, we are all, we all have this innate capability to tap into X. I wouldn't even say it's external consciousness. It's all internal connection to more expansive, higher vibratory and even lower vibratory frequency. And however that information kind of comes in. And if you think about it, it's really difficult to translate that into a word. And when you, you know, I mean, I heard your, I know you're very close with Sandra Ingerman and I was listening to one of your interviews with her, which was super cool. Um, but it is like that whole idea that the thought is a thing 
like in the shamanic tradition and that, you know, we have been, I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this with your kids, like when you witness your children kind of learning language or like learning how to speak, you can see how there's so much telepathy going on already. And like, that's actually the natural state of, of being a human, you know, and, and being able to communicate something outside of the words, you know, I always felt like at least for my son, um, he didn't speak very much in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, now he won't shut up, but mm-hmm. like but he didn't speak very much in the beginning. And I always knew it was because he and I were communicating um, and I always knew what he needed or wanted. And he just didn't have to use the words. Right. I'm, I'm bringing us into another conversation where I heard you talk about conscious parenting. Is that something you guys are working on? Conscious parenting. Yes, of course. Always conscious. I'm always, I'm always conscious of my parenting. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yes. We, well, I mean, but we, like as a project. We, um, yeah. Um, we, uh, so I just co-wrote a book with um, Dr. Pedram Shojai yeah. um, on conscious parenting. And I think it's really easy to work on projects that you're in the middle of yourself. I mean, I'm not like writing this from like, you know, I'm not an armchair conscient, conscious parent. Like I, I'm in the middle of it every single day, um, making my own 10,000 mistakes each morning before I leave the house. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, bet you I have more. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's, (laughs) it's, it's it's really something I'm, I'm talking to you from like, you know, construction site right now. So like, you know, trying to like, trying to build a house and also, also, you know, have kids during, during pandemic times and like all that stuff. I mean, I'm not trying to not listen. I'm not complaining. It's all great, but a lot though. conscious parenting though. I mean, you know, conscious parenting is really unique. Um, not unique. That's the wrong word. Conscious parenting is, is, I I guess I have a, maybe what I would think of as like a unique why behind conscious parenting yes i want my kids to be um to be beautiful humans that are you know mission driven and generous and and compassionate and empathic and um know they're loved and have tons of love to give um but another part of it for me is you know in the shamanic world and like the in the holistic kind of realms that we hang out in a lot there's this talk of ancestral healing Mm. and uh, for me like i i take issue with things that that feel so vague that you almost have to trust the practitioner no no don't worry you really are doing the thing that i'm saying you're doing um so but with ancestral healing i've heard it kind of referred to in those vague ways where it's like oh you need to heal your you need to heal you know the generations that happened before you and you need to go back in time and do all this stuff and work with, work with this, you know, whatever it might be, the Holocaust, you know, um, survive, you know, the, almost like the, 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 um, the relatives and ancestors of yours that died in these, in these, these tragic ways and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not real. Um, uh, I believe, I mean, I've seen, I've seen and experienced a lot of things that I can't quite describe ever, but won't ever be able to describe in, in the height of certain ceremonies. So I, I totally get the mm. idea behind these things, but there's something, there's a very real type of ancestral healing that you can do through conscious parenting. And I guess what I mean by that is 
you know, there's nature versus nurture, right? The you know, the, the one of the basic tenets of of um, of human behavior. Um, did you know? Did you inherit it genetically, or is it something that was handed down to you by your parents? And I guess for me, when I thought I used to think about nurture, it's like, oh, cool. So if it's if it's nurture, it means that it wasn't something that really ever happened or occurred until your parents your your parent made a bad decision or a good decision and it had a negative or positive effect on you, which is, I guess, kind of true. But from an ancestral healing perspective, when you start looking at the likelihood of a violent criminal to have had a violent upbringing, Mm. then you start realizing the nurture side of it doesn't mean that it was just some kind of happenstance thing that happened in this lifetime that then made you behave a certain way. Oftentimes the nurture is handed down just like a hand on a shoulder from to a hand on another shoulder, to a hand on another shoulder, from generation to generation that goes back thousands of years. So if we're talking about ancestral healing and really trying to heal and break the chain, as um, Fleetwood Mac would say it, um, then, you know, the idea of the buck stops here, this chain of behavior from that's been passed down from, for thousands of years in my father's line or my mother's line, it's going to stop with me. That's where I think something really exciting is happening, at least in my world with conscious parenting. So yes, it's about, it's about all the things to kind of be, be, to be good to yourself and present with yourself and present with your children and, and really, you know, really own all the things you need to own in order to show up fully for your kids. But also I think there's something very intriguing about this is being, this is ancestral healing. Cause if you're, you can heal your ancestry and have it affect, have it positively affect your life and your children's life, which I think is really what ancestral healing is about. By you can do that by going into deep ceremony and, and really connecting to the higher realms. That's one way, but there's another very very real way, very tangible way of just understanding behaviors that were handed to you that you don't like or that are destructive, and making sure that that line, that lineage of darkness, you know, that mm-hmm. lineage of trauma ends with you and doesn't ever get passed to your kids. That's another way of ancestral healing. So for me, that's, that's where I'm really excited when it comes to not just parenting. I love what you were saying in this one interview about how, you know, you were very conscious about your son's, you know, you were talking about his experience, your older one's experience with, uh, with bullying and how you were very invested in sort of preventing this experience to happen. And, and like the fact that you were able to be conscious, you know, of course we're all going to fuck it up, but like that you're able to be conscious enough to be like, Oh wait, I'm, I'm project. I'm like putting that on him. Like I can't take that experience away from him. He's going to, that's my shit. I mean, like that's everything. I mean, I feel like this is what people don't understand about parenting. I'm like, you are just faced with mirrors of your own shit over and over and over. And you're going to get it wrong and you're going to fuck it up. And you're going to like project onto them all this bullshit. And I, God, when you said that, I sort of got a sort of like sweating. I was like, oh my God, this is like everything. This is what I do. I, I impose myself on them. And ugh, it's just, it makes me so frustrated with myself. But but yes. again, you have to be compassionate and, and recognize kind of like, okay, this is my shit. <laughs> I need to kind of pull yeah. back and let them. I mean, that was just like crazy, profound. I, mean, so I really appreciate I mean, that. The, the idea is like, you know, what, another thing that like you and you, we were both basically we have kids relative, you and I have relatively, relatively yeah. similar aged children. 
Yeah. My four-year-old, I think, trumps all of them though, because that it, oh. they're four, when they're four, he's they're superior. Still, I mean, still he's... a total danger. There's still a total danger. To, they're amazingly beautifully cute, but they're also like just right this many steps away from you know destroying themselves on the next, you know, yeah. from one moment to the next. So you're <laughs> you're still, I'm still in the gauntlet. Like you're out of the you're out of the the, the early gauntlet. I still have one foot. That's in that true. Early you do. Um, but uh, but the the one the thing that happened with with my oldest son River when I was when 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 he was like two and, and I'm sure you can relate to this like I thought I was gonna be like baller like baller parent like, I thought I was gonna this was gonna be like I was like dude I got this don't, don't worry I I got this mom and dad like you, hey hey you guys tried you tried you sucked. I'm gonna show you how you're supposed to parent it's a child. Just, yeah, this is how it's done, mom and dad. Yeah. And you invariably fall on your face almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you're not sleeping and you're aging at every day looking in front of the mirror, like your bloodshot eyes, you look like you're a meth head, you know, for <laughs> the first like two years. And like yeah. you're and you're you're messing up left and right. You just can't quite get it. You just can't. You're just like you're like a toddler yourself. You just can't yep. quite make it without falling over. Um, and uh, and I was just remembering one one night, like I was so I forgot what I had done, but it was like I think River was like three or four, and he had done done whatever thing that he shouldn't have done, and it was like you know whatever negative thing came as a result of it. And I had some reaction that was unfavorable. I think I probably like I don't know what I did. I might have barked at him or done something that you know was not the way, and he was heartbroken over it. And then I finally like repaired it, and he went to bed, and he was laying there, and I'm laying on his bed, and he's sleeping next to me, and I was just staring at the wall, and I was like so ashamed and de dejected, and I was like I might have I might have shed a tear. I can't remember what, but I was basically sitting there like I. I forgot. I was just, it was, I was in crisis mode and like mm -hmm. some voice, which is like, thankfully these things, these things happen for me. I don't know if they happen for everybody, but I get a lot of into it as much as, as much of a fuck up as I can be in my life. I get a lot of intuitive guidance. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, well, <laughs> Hey, calm down, take a deep breath. And then yeah. like literally we'll start getting like, it's definitely not me because the me that's in the moment is absolutely like disheveled, mm -hmm. shattered on the ground. And then all of a sudden there'll be like a, a voice that's just like basically like, listen, you need to learn how to forgive yourself and stop being mm -hmm. so hard on everything that you do. Like, you know, this yeah. is, you're not gonna ever be nice to him. You're not gonna ever be nice to your wife. You're not gonna be, ever be nice to anyone if you can't be nice to yourself. So you uh, basically, there's like this, this guidance that came and I was like, oh yeah, oh, lesson. Okay, got it, light bulb. Like there's a lesson that just descended upon me here. And then I started you know, kind of playing with it. I'm like, man, I am not gonna be good. At, I'm not gonna be perfect at this, but I need to not get, not get hung up on every bad thing I do. I just yeah. gotta accept it all. This is, this is one huge practice of self-forgiveness. And by me doing that, I'm able to forgive him for anything he does and then mm. forgive my next one forever they, for whatever they do forgive my wife for whatever she's done. That's that, that for some reason seems like it's an inconvenience to me, you know, like, mm -hmm. and so even though she is perfect. I mean, perfect. let's just be honest. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> um, so, so I, so one of the shamans, one of my, one of my best friends, Roman, you met him. He was like, he was, he, he, He's at your wedding. he officiated our wedding. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's, he has said, he, 
said to my friend Tara, my friend Tara told me this the other day. She's like, he's like, she, she's like, yeah, she's like, I, she's like, she, I was talking to Roman about Michelle and I brought her up and she, and, and Roman's like, ah, Michelle, the Buddha. Like, <laughs> yeah. He totally thinks Michelle has Buddha energy. I'm like, man, really? Like, you, you know, I mean, she totally, my, my wife is special in that way. Yeah, she is. Fuck She's yeah. There. But yes, so. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, self-forgiveness <laughs> on the path. I mean, yeah. this is this is the medicine that I this is this was the early dose of the first glimpse of medicine that I got from parenting was, dude, stop taking yourself so seriously and stop yeah. taking all this so seriously. You're gonna fuck it all up. Just roll with it, you know, roll with the roll with all yeah. of it, you know. Um, and that was helpful. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're, you know, we're we're raised in this culture of like, you're gonna get a test on it. And you're going to fail or you're going to pass, you know? And then if you pass, you're going to do this and this and this, but it's like with parenting, I've always said, this is like, this is a 30 year long test. You don't know if you pass, you probably never know if you pass. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's just, it's not that kind of a thing at all. It's so, yeah. I've, I've been playing around this concept the last like month or so I've been, I've been talking to talking to the Buddha about it too, Michelle, my wife, um, <laughs> and um, and it's just this idea of like, hey, because um, you know we're like every parent chronically worrying about every little part of our child's reality, mm-hmm. um, and I've been playing around this thing like, hey, what if everything is okay exactly as it is? What if everything is absolutely okay? What if the thing, what if the fact that you grabbed River by the arm because he punched his brother in the face and you grabbed him by the arm and talked to him sternly and then he fell to pieces and he's crying in the back room right now. What if that's all a hundred percent okay? What if it's all okay? Is your reality, is your, are, are you so out of control as a human being that if you don't have these strict parameters, these 10 commandments of parenting or of your own existence, mm. What if, what if, you know, are, are you that, are you that flimsy that if you don't have this like self-flagellation mechanism to keep yourself in line, that are you that flimsy that yeah. you're going to go off and become an ax murderer if you don't have these things that you're constantly beating yourself up about? Or can it just all be a hundred percent okay, no matter what it is? Did your wife just leave you? Hey, what if it's all 100% what if that's okay? To be, yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I, when you were saying that, I was like, you know, I feel like this just comes from this, uh, this feeling like we want to, we are desperate to be good parents. We just, we have to be good parents and any, any like deviation from what we consider to be good parents or versus shitty parents. Yeah. Just, we just fall apart. I mean, at least that's, that's what happens for me. Yeah. I mean, and I over like I'm an over I'm very bad with boundaries with my kids because I I mean, and I know you also co-wrote a book about trauma. We can get into this a little but like I know for me as I'm learning that like my poor boundaries are direct results of basically like complex PTSD because this was just there were no boundaries. There was no personal space for me growing up. There was that kind of like real, your body doesn't really belong to you. You don't have a sense of autonomy. Like, let me grab you. Let me beat you. Let me, you know, like you're not in your, for me, at least I was not in my body as a kid. So for me to see how poor 
my boundaries are with my own kids. And then, you know, being like, what the hell? Like what triggers me is like when there's a boundary issue, whether my anger, I've noticed at least for me, um, thanks for listening to my therapy session, Nick, um, from like boundary for me is just kind of like, Oh, I've noticed that when I get really angry, it's because I have crossed my own boundary that I neglected to communicate to anybody, (laughs) like including myself. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I really get angry when, when they've crossed a boundary, but like, I realize it's, I'm angry at myself. And, and that's always been another thing that I've been working with a lot. I'm like, what I'm feeling towards someone right now is exactly what I'm feeling towards myself. And like, how did that happen? And I try to, yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're all mirrors. I mean, that, that part, like, you know, the thing that you, you find yourself barking at your spouse the most is usually the thing that you know you're doing. <laughs> you know what oh I mean? God. Oh, you just gave me a flashback to last week's birthday party. <laughs> oh, really? Man, it's, it's, Doesn't it's, get, it's different. I think, I feel like the challenge is as they get older, it's, it's more about like keeping them alive and making right. sure they've got positive imprints. And then as they get older, it's like, it's about backing off and, and trying not to just rush to their rescue when they, you know, fall down or, you know, you give them a dollar and they go to the corner bodega and they buy like fluorescent soda and you're like, it's okay. Yeah. They're just experiencing childhood in America right now. <laughs> but I feel like, like, like you said before, like leading, you're leading from your trauma. Like I do that. I mean, we, I think we all do that as parents. Like that, that's why I got so triggered by a river and the bully, you know? I mean, yeah. I was like, I was like, man, this is not the time. This is not real. What are, the advice I'm giving river is not really, you know, textbook. Um, it's, it's not, it's not like approved. It's not, this Wait, is not what did you tell him? I was, I, by the third day he came home saying that he was being bullied. I was showing him that you're not, when you punch a boy in the face, <laughs> You don't, you're not trying to punch him at the face. You want to punch <laughs> through the face. <laughs> I swear to God. I was this like, is you, important you, stuff you, to know. You want to punch not as if you're trying to hit the person right in front of their face. When you're punching him, you want to be aiming at the back. Imagine your fist going all the way to the back of his skull. That's how you punch. And I was doing that stuff. And, and Michelle came into the room as I was doing mm-hmm. it. And like, luckily she was like she didn't like she didn't lose her shit right there right then and there it was more of a side cut it was more like hey can we go in the other room <laughs> and like river was totally picking up on it he's like okay so he was just doing he's practicing it you know he's already in karate so he kind of has his basic little fight down. but i mean you know michelle had to kind of like you know just politely point out that i was sort of trying to you know show, show my my eight-year-old at that point son how to really inflict bodily harm bad bodily harm and maybe like brain and brain trauma um on another child in the playground oh, yeah but i was but do like, you ever get that voice in your head that's like yeah but like he deserves it and maybe this is good for him maybe this oh, is yeah. good for that other kid maybe it's a lesson he needs oh that was the entire thing i'm like listen there's clearly this child's parents are not are not setting boundaries which we no. saw very clearly you know they're you know They'll, they'll hear this at some point and be like, you know, I'll get a phone call from them. <laughs> um, but because they, you know who you are, you know who you are. Um, but the idea is um, they're, you know, 
that they clearly my this is this was the story I was telling myself. Yeah, they clearly are not setting good boundaries at home. He is, you know, cruel and you know maybe sometimes you know old school rules, old school engage ways of engaging are not the not the worst. So, you know, that was my story, and I thought yeah. that yes, River River would teach this child a you know a, a hard lesson by being much more committed to the inflicting of physical harm than this other kid was, who was not really inflicting physical harm. He was just playing all kinds of psycho psychological games, uh, like really trying to do all kinds of things to make River's life a living hell at, at recess. So um, yeah, I, I, it was, but God, it was- Bullies like, have gotten more advanced. Oh, they have, yes, yes, they have gotten Jesus more advanced. Yep, this, is like bully, this is bully 3.0, um, <laughs> but, but we- but we. In your next documentary. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just saying like, like the trauma, the trauma side of it's very real because I got bullied when I was younger. And so I was constantly concerned, afraid of getting my ass kicked. And um, it's largely still with me. I mean, like, I, I guess I worked some of it out in college because I became, I got bigger and like, I got in all kinds of fights, you know, and all mm -hmm. kinds, and it was great because they were, they were of my own volition. You know, not like I would start start fights for no reason, but I would not turn away from fights when there was like bad behavior by some meathead frat boy at a bar or something like that. It would be like, oh, oh, this is like a, a piece of red meat hanging in front of the lion's cage. I'd just be like, oh, thank you. And I would just go, you know, and like, it was great because at that point I was getting into physical altercations that were my own choice, which I think was probably part of it. Like, it was like, whereas when I was younger, it was against my, against mm. my, my. So you were like taking that power back. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? But so, yeah. but that, but that, that, that didn't help it go away because clearly yeah. it's still very much with me. I'm trying to train my, my son how to basically snap a kid's neck on the playground because yeah. you know, excluding him from a game of kickball, you know? Um, <laughs> so. Um, You're like, maybe the response to yeah. the actual thing is a little blown out. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with like you. Operation Shock and Awe, you know what I mean? A little Operation Shock and Awe right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the idea is like, yeah, you're, if you're, you're, the unresolved traumas that you have will come out in your parenting for sure. Oh, and, yeah. I was yeah. a big jerk this morning. I, I got, I'm very tired of like getting the kids up for the bus because they take the bus to school and it's a six o'clock. Like they have to be up at six to kind of do their thing. And you know, they're getting older so they can do a lot of that themselves, but I still kind of get up, you know, and then I kind of put it on myself, this job of waking them up earlier. And then like, I get mad when they don't respond to me, like nudging them, like, come on, come on. You have to. So I woke them up at six cause whatever. And then, uh, I was like, I'm going to do something really shitty. Like I consciously was like, I'm going to be a dick right now. And I got up, like emptied the dishwasher, like clanging things around to try to like passive aggressively wake him up. Yeah. And then I, and like 15 minutes later, I woke up, I went into his room and I was like, I was like, Hey, I was like, your bus is going to be here in 10 minutes. And he pops right up wow. and he's like, Oh my God. And then he like jumps up and starts getting dressed. I was like, just kidding. It's six 15. <laughs> like you still have oh 45 minutes. He's like, you're so mean. And I'm like, and I was just like, it's literally my inner child is just like, oh yeah, let's go, bro. Let's go. Like she has not grown up and she is still playing, like playing those little playground games. 
passive aggressivism, man. It's like so much fun though. I mean, there was a lot of joy in that. I have to say I mean, that kind of, <laughs> that's, that's so kind twisted. Of, that's kind of cool. You know, passive aggressive behavior with your kids. I think you could do it and it's actually kind of fun because you're just, you're stuck with them. But I mean, like you're when I, Michelle and I still play passive, we still do it. I'm like, Oh my God, why don't I just tell her the thing? Like, <laughs> why don't I just tell her the thing that happened that hurt my feelings and now i find oh my myself God, like yeah. now i'm jiggling things loud and i'm like stomping around and i'm like now nah, i'm like wow look it's, it's kind of cool like sometimes you're like you're sort, sort of taking a back seat to your own reality you're like you're like wow oh wow you're really well now you're gonna do that interesting wow okay <laughs> wow you're getting in the car you're gonna, you're gonna drive down the street for a little while so she just thinks that you're like not gonna ever come back okay <laughs> Fair enough. Good. Touche. Wow. Well played. Well played. This is. I'm sure this isn't going to end badly or anything. Um, but oh my it's God. great. I love your inner wisdom voice. It's really <laughs> cool. It feels like an uncle or something. It feels like some kind of like okay, Nick. Yeah. I'm glad you got it out of your system. But it now. is kind of a, like a weird uncle, you know. It yeah. is like not I even a weird. Uncle. It's like um, I had I had a weird uncle, but no, that, there's, there, but there's um, but. Yeah, it is kind of like that. It is masculine, except for during ayahuasca ceremonies. Ayahuasca ceremonies, the voice is always like grandma. It's the grandma. Well, it's grandma ayahuasca, isn't it? Yeah. She's she's feminine. I almost feel because it's her. I almost feel like my inner uncle is like completely kicked out of the equation when that's happened. The inner uncle who can talk, who can calm me down or give me give me perspective. That's one of the most terrifying things about ayahuasca is that at that part of you even the part who i that i think is deeply spiritual and helpful is just yeah. re- removed like put in a box and like thrown down a well you know what i mean and then now and then the rest of then there's just you and your terror and you know the things that are transpiring around you you know mm-hmm. and then ultimately after you go through the you go through the gauntlet for an hour or two then there's another completely different for me this is obviously who the heck knows what everyone else experiences i'm the center of the universe so this is really all that matters it is about you i mean (laughs) it is i feel like we need to stop telling people to stop making it about themselves we have to actually start making it about ourselves because we're we're just we need to all start making it about nick I mean, we, because we have to do that before we make it about the world, because we're not, I mean, literally we're not addressing, I mean, we've got this, such this, like this whole trending thing against like narcissism, like we're, we're all narcissistic. And yes, there are people who are extremely narcissistic, but you know, there, there is, there is an element to self-reflection that, that really needs to be there. And, and you do have to think about how, why is this affecting me this way? You know, we just have to learn to operate from our perspective before we assume shit about other people. And that's the only way we're going to be able to connect with others. But Heck yeah. ayahuasca, <laughs> I'm scared. I'm very scared to do ayahuasca. That's my, that's my professional podcast question to you. Ayahuasca. I'm scared. <laughs> that's my, that's my <laughs> professional journalistic quality. I remember one I mean, time. One, one time I was in, uh, I was in sitting in a, in a, uh, a long, a long house, I guess you'd call it a long house in the, in the jungle. And, um, it was basically just like a, a two story, like hut that has like, you know, a thatch roof on it with rats and insects running around up there. Um, okay. and, uh, I was sitting there, so we were like an hour. Already before. a great start. Yeah, we'll have to do great stuff. And then I was I was sitting there swinging in a hammock next to my shaman buddy Roman, a, for, a okay, former yeah. shaman friend. Um, 
and we were about to go into a ceremony. And I said to him, he's like, he, he said to me, hey, Nick, why are you so, you know, he's like, you seem nervous <laughs> or something like that. And I mean, I was like, I don't know, this was maybe like the fifth time I'd ever sat in a ceremony or something like that. And, um, and he, and I was like, I can't get over like the, I'm like the fear before a ceremony. I can't, like, I don't. And I said to him, I'm like, maybe, maybe, I'm like, maybe tonight, you know, I don't know if I need to go into a ceremony tonight. That, that's how <laughs> it always, that's how it always goes. Like for me, it's always like, have to do this maybe maybe this is you know i feel pretty good like, i feel pretty good like i i got i got good perspective on things and like i i totally i totally know where i'm at like now, now let, let's juxtapose this for real quickly against like some other type of hallucinogenic you know i i don't even call them i hesitate to even call ayahuasca hallucinogenic because it's like it's like that's one of the many thousands of of some of characteristics that it might have but it's absolutely not just a hallucinogenic it's not so it's, it's i don't downplay it that way but Let's just compare it for just for just for um, uh, just for for context or for just, just for sake of conversation. Let's compare it to like acid, okay? Um, uh, I'll take I could take a tab of acid right now, and I'd be like, oh, cool, this is gonna be fun. It's great. I'll just, I'm gonna have to cancel. I'm gonna have to to um, to clear the calendar um, for the next like five six hours. But I mean, I, I got this. I, I know what this is gonna be. You know, it might be a little might have a couple little bends in the road that I didn't expect, but I mean, I, I can, I can roll with this. This is going to be fun. It's going to be really great. I'll go on a walk. I'll, you know, try not to go to the gas station and buy a pack of American spirits um, <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, but with ayahuasca, it's like, you're basically, <laughs> it's like, the only thing I can really liken it to is like um, when you are about to, if you're about when you're about to go into a very life-threatening situation, like I, I, I can, I've, it's happened a couple times for me, you know, where I know there's something extremely dangerous that's about to happen. You know, sometimes it's against your will. Sometimes it's like a, a situation you find yourself in. One time I was in the Sahara desert in a, uh, on a trip gone wrong with um, a friend of mine. And it was like freaking harrowing. Um, oh my God. But like, but that, um, but something like that, but it's, it's almost like the only thing I could, I could liken it to is you're about to, you're about to go somewhere where you're really not sure if you're going to come back. You know what I mean? Even though, you know, every time you've taken ayahuasca, you've come back and you're better than before. And every time you've, you know, you, you, every study shows that ayahuasca is probably one of the safest, you know, substances to try, you know, even safer than, than weed, essentially, mm. you still find yourself before you go into an ayahuasca ceremony trying to figure out like your ego, whatever you want to say your ego is like my ego is basically just the thing that wants to, wants to keep the, keep Nick, the idea of Nick, the consciousness of Nick fully intact. Like, you know, that's my ego. Yeah. Like the person who, the thing in here that doesn't want, that wants to make sure that this is, that this is going to remain the way it is, um, uh, is absolutely threatened by this it wasn't threatened the first time. I'll say that. Like, it's funny. Like the first time I go to an ayahuasca ceremony, at least I did. Maybe this is before a lot of the ayahuasca literature was out. Like, you know, back in 2009, I was like, okay, this, this is, you know, I read books about it. I read it. I'm like, okay, this is, it seems like a pretty serious, intense hallucinogen. I, I can handle this. I've done plenty of, done plenty of drugs. You know, I'm in <laughs> I can handle this. Um, and so I went into that one feeling much better about the situation, which was, it turned out to be one of the most intense, probably the most intense 
ceremonies I was ever in, but that was the only time I've ever walked into an ayahuasca ceremony feeling relatively confident about the matter. You know what I mean? But so I was the first time. Say first time. The yeah. first time. Okay. First time. Yeah. And then after that, I was, you know, hum- humbled, I guess is a, is a word. Um, mm-hmm. So I was sitting there swinging with, with Roman and I'm like, <laughs> my ego starts doing the thing. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I need to go in the ceremony tonight. Like I, I, you know, I got a lot, we got a lot of film. I got a lot of filming tomorrow. You know, I just, you know, I, I think that maybe, maybe um, it's just, you know, I'm like, Roman, do you ever feel, you know, I mean, you've had this before, I'm sure. Have you, do you ever feel like this is just not the time to do it? Like, you know, it's just not, this isn't the right time to do it. And he stops swinging in his hammock and he looks over at me and he says, Nick, how many times do you think I've stepped into the Maloka? Like Maloka is like the, ay- the ayahuasca. Um, it's like the, the chapel, the, the temple that is built mm-hmm. for this kind of thing. How many times do you think I've stepped into the Maloka before? And I'm like, I don't know, Roman, a lot, thousands. He's like, my last count was I've, I've sat in 4,762 ayahuasca ceremonies. He's like, how often do you think I have the feeling that you're having right now before I walk into that ceremony? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, like you seem pretty comfortable in there. Like, I mean, I see you and you're healing people during the ceremony while everyone else is keeled over shitting themselves and pissing themselves, throwing up on the ground, crying for their mom. And, and he's like, he's like, I have the, what you're wrestling with, which is your ego telling me not to go in there every single time. Every time I step over the threshold in the Maloka, I have to step over my ego and all my fear and trust. And I was like, uh, you're like, got any tips? Exactly. (laughs) Where do I step? What step do I need to take? All all I could hear was, all I could hear was that was a shamanic way of saying, don't be a fucking pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Oh my God. Shit. You know, like, I feel like it seems like you're what, from what I'm understanding, your ego, which is responsible for your physical, biological safety and survival, is so scared of this because it feels like it's going to dissolve and disconnect because that's what you do in ceremony. Well, And it doesn't like not having control <laughs> over especially that once it's already happened oh oh yeah and you know, knows like, what like, like like yeah. when you go in the first one you're like i think i i got this i got this I, i'll figure it out i always figure it out somehow and then afterwards you're like uh i don't i don't think i want i don't i i first you come back you come back and you're so grateful to be back and then, you know for the first two or three days in the first month or so you're like i'm a changed human this is the, this is by far, this is the most profound thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and you, but you know, fresh out of an ayahuasca ceremony, you're not even considering about you know, the idea that you're gonna have to do it again. At some point you're just like, you're, just re, you're, you're so happy that you made it from the, you know, the storming of Normandy and you're not now safely, you know, whatever <laughs> Hitler's been defeated. And now you're, you're back home and like, you know, the parade's being held for you, you know, like that's how it feels afterwards, you know, cause oh you, you, I mean, you know, the Hitler thing's actually interesting too, because you do confront these darknesses during the ceremony, like these crazy parts of yourself talk about the words, the words can um, movie and the, what we were talking about with words. And 
that, that all kind of comes from ayahuasca ceremony. Like that all wow. comes from what you witness in ayahuasca ceremony where like you realize, for me, uh, I think a lot of people resonate with this, but I can only speak from my own experience is you realize the invisible cage that you're in that is constructed from thought, your thought constructs. And those thought constructs, one of their core ingredients are is language and words and things that you've used mm -hmm. to, things that you've used to encapsulate um, to try to encapsulate this infinite reality around you. And also things, you know, these, these words that you've strung together into a whip to kind of quietly, you know, self flashlight mm. yourself, like, you know, throughout your life and keep yourself small and keep yourself afraid. And you start mm. these words that you use, like that whip that you hit yourself with is never, you can't see it it's somewhere in your periphery when you're in your normal life, you maybe can sense that there's something that's happening inside that you don't like but you can't quite see it. Whereas when you're like in the middle of an ayahuasca ceremony, it's like right there. It's like, Ooh. you know what I mean? Like, um, and so you can, you get destroyed by it for a while. At least again, this is just me speaking about my reality, but yeah. um, you get destroyed by it for a while until you start realizing that it's, that it's not something that's outside of you. It's something that you've created. And then you start learning how to dismantle it in that ceremony. And when you do, the ceremony gets easier. Um, mm. And then you can breathe better. One of the hardest things about ceremony for me is that I, I, more than the intensity of what's going on, we can talk about all the specifics of what that's like, but the most terrifying thing for me is that sometimes it's so much that it's so much happening and there's so much stimulation and there's so many things and so much, so much that is just coming at you that I have a hard time breathing sometimes. It's like, it takes mm. me a little bit to kind of like get breaths, you know? The throwing up part is like, everyone's like, oh, do you really throw up? I'm like, dude, the throwing up part is the least of your fucking concerns. <sighs> it's the least of your concerns in the situation. Sweet throwing up. Yeah, but that's the, I mean, the throwing up actually makes you, helps you come out of what you're in a lot of times when you're in an ayahuasca ceremony. You're in the middle of it. It's like this new lesson. Like every once, it always feels to me like I'm getting picked up by the scruff of the neck. Once I'm, <laughs> once I'm like figure one thing out, grab a scruff of the neck and thrown into something else to figure out. And like, but oh. lots of in the middle of that, like you're, you're building up all this energy and all this tension and all this, all these, um, I, I, all this pressure within your body. And, um, the throwing up is a lot of times is it's, it's, you know, they call it la purga, like the purge, purge. you're purging more, but the purge isn't just cause you throw up. It's actually not why it's called that. It's called the purge because you're purging all of these energies from your body. You're purging yeah. all of this stuff. Um, you're purging all of this, these negative constructs and all these um, traumas from your body. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it comes out. And so when you're throwing up, you know, that's one of the most beautiful things about an ayahuasca ceremony. You made the mistake of asking me about ayahuasca. I could talk about ayahuasca for five days. No, I, it wasn't a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> the cool one of the coolest things about ayahuasca aside from the actual experience and what you come away from it with is that the strangers who you're sitting next to in these usually very crowded little spaces it's intentionally crowded often like yeah. you're almost like shoulder to shoulder and again around a wall you know um is that it becomes kind of this writhing mess you, everyone's kind of like, you know, laying out their mats and getting the thing ready. And like, you know, the, 
trying to say hi to each other. You know, I don't know you. Nice to meet you. And hopefully this is going to be a fun, a decent, like we'll all be delivered whole at the end of it. And then by, you know, flash forward, like two hours later, everyone is like, somebody's head's on my ass and my my face is like you know like right next to you know has a foot on it somebody else like you're all right and it's not always like this I'm, I'm kind of making it but it feels like that it feels like whatever it is the the circle becomes very close it's this you become spirit family by the end of the night because you can feel the energy and this is so woo woo but i mean i'll just whatever like you could feel you're talking to <laughs> i know but i'm just saying like I, I i kind of loathe people who like you know just talk about oh is this, you feel it? i'm just, just saying i'm just saying like you there's yeah, things yeah. that you're going through like for example with the throwing up i remember one ceremony i was trying to hold it down i was like i didn't want to throw up for whatever reason energetically spiritually emotionally i just didn't know the circle maybe uncomfortable and i was like i i was the first one to throw up that was also part of it it was ego i'm like no you're not gonna be the first one to throw up no, <laughs> no. then they're all gonna know nick they're all gonna know you're a phony they're all gonna know you don't belong here um but so I'm holding it down, holding it down. And then all of a sudden, like, it's just like, it comes out like a lion's roar. It's like, you know? <laughs> and like, um, I just remember hearing like a collective sigh of like release, relief of like, you know, a groan of like, you know, just almost as if there were other people in the circle that were, I was throwing up for them. You know what I mean? Like oh, me, wow. you know what I mean? Almost yeah, like, no, there's like yeah. this like ring, you, the circle turns into this ring of energy and emotion. It's like mm -hmm. its own freaking like closed circuit. Oh, yeah. And where something's being felt over here, um, let's say at like one o'clock in the circle, then something cor will correspond to that sensation at like seven o'clock at the circle and yeah. it's the most insane crazy. feeling like i've seen crazy things happen in circles before i uh one time we were down in the jungle um and we're we, in the jungle uh just for uh, about an hour and a half north of a a, a port town called uh, iquitos in peru Okay. Um, um, La Carretera de Nazca, which is uh, the, the little highway that goes, uh, not even a highway, it's like a two-lane two lane road that goes north for a while yeah. uh, up the river. And we were in an area called Cahuide, is I think the closest town, is a little fishing town. Uh, on the, there's like a little river piece of the Amazon that goes to there that has fish that you can stop off on the side of the road and eat some fried fish and things nice. like that. Um, but uh we're in a ceremony and we're in the middle of it and there's three shamans in that ceremony man i, I i'm long overdue for ayahuasca the more i'm talking about it the more i, I know i'm kind of you're you're selling me a little on it i mean the yeah. ego pukey stuff not so much but i feel um, like it's a, an experience i should have but I gotta go ahead you, you gotta do it you have to do it you well i would only do it with you guys because there's a way to do it um it's, there's a way to do it here um in colorado um then we'll just we will you and i should yep talk about it but um, um, i'll just one, one experience to kind of illustrate some of the crazy things that you see in 
in a, in a with, when you're watching sh- like real shamans, you know, working, you know, yeah. this is their, this is their, you know, this is like them, them, them going to into the operating room. It basically, it's like watching a brain surgeon do his shit. And so it's yeah. kind of like, you don't realize how profound it is until you're in it and you see it um, is uh, we're in a ceremony and, um, and uh, Michelle and I are sitting next to each other. It was Michelle's first ceremony. I want to say. And, um, and so uh, she said next to me and we're going through it. Um, and then we just noticed, you know, everyone kind of noticed a very, a, a disruption in the energy or in the force across the circle. Yeah. And there was a woman who like had gone from like the, the noises that were coming out of this woman were not like the normal ayahuasca, ayahuasca noises where you're, you know, groaning and sighing and throwing up and farting and like, you know, just whatever, writhing, yeah. crying, crying, like, you know, just breathing hard, talking, cursing, whatever it is. It wasn't that it was like, we started hearing like this per- weird kind of, it was like a giggle it was giggling and then talking to themselves and then sort of like, uh, and it was hard to even try really explain, but it was like this like really weird, like dark, uh, it was like dark and not human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. It was dark, not human, weird. Just, I can't really describe it in any other way. It just, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you could sort of like think of like maybe the exorcist, but not really like mm-hmm. that kind of dark, scary, voice but its own kind of weird terrifying kind of a voice i know, I know those bitches yeah I've, you know what i'm saying like, i know what you're it, talking about yeah it's hard to, you you can't really describe it it's like everything we, we try you can't put words we, we human beings haven't successfully been able to put words on this yet so i mean it's, it's so it's so dark it's beyond it's pr- like primordial shit it's primordial it's, darkness it's, yeah. it's just so unnatural mm-hmm. that you're like you, you, you anyway so, no light in there that's a, no that's, a there. that's a vortex where shit gets lost that's a black yeah. hole yeah and so this so this is happening and it's and and um and everyone in the circle just starts you know feeling it right it's just like and you could feel like the the keen eye of the circle is now transfixed on this situation that's now happening at that one spot in the circle and i remember roman's leading there's three shamans in the circle i've never sat in a ceremony but there's three shaman three different shamans but roman was leading and there's two that were just visiting they were hanging out edwin and habib and so Roman's like, so this app starts happening. And then within like a few minutes, Roman says something. I forgot what he says. Only, you know, speaks and speaking. He says it, says it, says it to Habin. Habin only speaks Spanish and I think some Quechua. And he just says something basically. He's like, Habin, you know, um, couldn't really hear what he said. And, um, and Habin's like, oh, okay. And he stands up and he like walks across to the, walks across to this woman who's like now at this point, like in the fetal position, like, you know, convulsing and like it's crazy voices coming out of her and it's crazy stuff's happening. And he just, I just remember seeing him across the circle. He just kneels down and he like puts his hand on, you know, she puts it, he puts his hand on her, her head and he just says something into her ear. I could no, no idea what it was. And she just pops right back up and she like kind of cries for a second and like then just gets back in it and she's totally fine and he just walks back over to like his pot in a circle so it's like it's there's crazy stuff wow. that you see just another like, day at the office yeah these guys are mad these guys are there for a reason and they're masters and they're considered they're respected in those areas 
not just because they decided, oh, I want to be a shaman someday. My dad said I could be whatever I want to be. I, I want to be a shaman. Like that's not <laughs> how that works. Like that's not how that particular that particular profession works. It finds it's, you, right? Yeah. You're initiated. Yeah. So I mean, you see like ridiculous stuff like that where you're like, dude, this woman is this woman is never coming back. You know, like this this is crazy. And then you just, somebody comes over, says two words, puts it, you know, sends some energy, and they're just completely boop, like um. right. You know so i do believe that when you do go through traumas and you do kind of experience whatever this is whether this is ancestral coming through you because it's all in the body i feel like this is all just we're also moving i feel like we're moving less from the mind space and into more of the body space and and we're we're discovering the the real fucking technology that we are the fact that we think this shitty technology is a match to like what we are and what we're capable of is just like such a like the world's greatest hoax. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> but like we have the capacity to heal our shit. I mean, I think kind of just coming back to one of the main things that you you do, it's like we are able to heal ourselves with with herbs, with plants, with 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 these kinds of things that have just been a part of our planet for so long, you know, and just reviving them and, and bringing them out and making sure people understand that, that there are methods that they can use or, or invoke or, or participate in that aren't traditional, but, but are in fact way more effective and profound is, is it's a really beautiful mission that you have that you're bringing to the world. Um, but I also, there was like a couple of things that you said that I just like want to spit them back to you because I loved the way it sounded. You, you said in that one thing, you were like to encourage people to really like taste their reality, like a fine wine. I love that. Ah. I'm quoting you back to you. And, um, and I also loved how you described kind of trauma and, and how you, we work through this scar tissue and like the discovery of this sort of scar tissue that we're, you know, we, we didn't even know was there. I mean, how can we tie this into the sort of environmental work that you're doing right now? Cause I want to hear a little bit about your trees movie. Oh yeah. Going into the, going into the idea of, of words and really tasting your reality. It's so far reaching. It's not just a spiritual thing, or I guess it is it's spiritual. Therefore it's, it's infinite and it reaches, it reaches into everything. So we're making a movie right now called trees the idea of the, the trees movie tree the trees documentary by the way is all about as you might have guessed trees um <laughs> and so it's basically this film that's going to be this moving tapestry that's a testament to these green giants that live right outside of our door that largely control our fate and absolutely set the table for our very existence. Mm. So the question, before I even get into the connectedness to, you know, the fine winedness of your reality, this film came to me in an ayahuasca ceremony in 2016. It didn't come to me like, oh, I had this Eureka brand new idea that's all my own. It's, that's what, I mean, for me, when I'm in an ayahuasca ceremony, like when, when you're in these places, you realize how interconnected everything is, how we're all one. And, this isn't my idea. This is just the idea. This is the idea that I'm that I was shown that I can play a play a role in helping manifest into the world. And it was shown to me in the middle of a ceremony 
and it was shown to me by you know by grandma or by the a divine a feminine a feminine entity mm-hmm. that I'm pretty sure is, is you know you know people say grandma ayahuasca and I I'm pretty sure that if, that this is that exact same energy and that exact same same deity that everyone's talking about which isn't necessarily in my opinion like you you know a a female descending upon a cloud you know descending upon me you know from above that's whispering into my ear although it does feel that way but it just feels like connecting into that energy connecting into that field that is this feminine um force that that is connected to the the planet um either way in the middle of the ceremony, I'm not sure exactly who it, who it is that's talking to me, but it's a very it's a feminine voice. It sounds very much like a, like like a mom that I a mom that I get to talk to every once in a while. And she was like showing me all kinds of things. But then one of the things was, hey, why not start telling the story of trees? You know, I was just had this conversation about what that means, and the the, the takeaway was my thing was like, hey, how do I make that interesting though? How am I going to be able to make a movie about something that's so you know, that's so immense. And the idea was, Hey, just, just start, just start, start putting it together. And the rest of the pieces will come together. You know, it's not, don't ask, don't ask questions about that. Don't ask about the how, just know that that's, that's where you're, you're steering your ship and the rest of it will fall into place. And sure enough, that's exactly what's happened in the last couple of years since we started making the movie. So to get, to go from there to how it ties into the spiritual component you know, when I'm looking at trees and looking at nature in general, it's one of those prime examples of something that we think we know something about, but we absolutely know jack shit about. Mm-hmm. And we've tried to put it into our own little container. And it's in a lot of ways, it's A, so we can navigate our reality and not be terrified of the immenseness of this thing that, that we're trying to navigate through. Try to put some, some um, naive, um, or at least fool ourselves into thinking that we're not totally ignorant and that we're not totally at the whim of this power that's so much bigger than us. We throw some words on it. We throw some words at it. And then we think we actually have some mastery over it, which is the biggest joke. It's one of the biggest jokes of humanity, in my opinion, is that we think because we know some words that we actually have mastered something. Mm-hmm. Um, but so trees are interesting that way because people actually think they know what a tree is. And it's one of those things where if you start asking people questions about what a tree is, it's very clear, very quickly, you know, that most of us don't know anything about how, what trees are, what they actually do and how a forest has its own form of intelligence. It's not like some woo woo, like, you know, Oh yeah. Trees can talk to each other. It's like, no, I mean, first of all, if you go into the first nations and first nations, um, traditions around forests and trees and you start working with them and you realize, Oh my gosh, there actually is a very spiritual component to this. And they actually do talk, but from a very scientific perspective, we don't even understand what a tree is actually doing, how it's how it's taking sunlight and forming it into sugars using through its leaves, and then having that having those having that chemistry go down into the roots where there's mycelium mushroom networks that operate much like the neur, the neural the neurology of our brain that are taking those sugars and and rushing through the, the you know the forest floor and communicating with other trees and plants and mushrooms and things like that based on the signal that each tree is giving giving them so that they're, and that the trees are using those networks as their own information highway, like in their own forest internet to communicate with each other, all kinds of things. 
So we just don't know. We don't know anything really when it comes to, when it comes down to it. We don't really know anything. We think we know. We think we know some things. We might know. We might know like one one hundred millionth of what's actually out there on this planet. So it's really cool when we're investigating trees and forests and the way that a forest ecosystem works. It's really interesting to to be holding that up into the light and kind of like using it as a prime example of how little we know and how our words really only get us so far. And that if you want to really experience a forest landscape and you want to um, understand the power of nature, you need to forget almost everything you've been taught and go into it with, you know, the eyes of a newborn. So yes, very excited about the trees movie. It's crazy. As, as grandma, um, told me in a ceremony, it has been that way. As soon as we decided that we were going to make the movie, as soon as we started rallying team around it, as soon as we started raising money for it, every door has been open to us mm-hmm. and it's magically been starting to come together. We just got back from British Columbia. We were filming up in the forests in Northwestern and Western British Columbia and just sitting down with some incredible individuals who are um, right on the front lines trying to stop major logging operations from cutting down the remaining 2% of the old growth forests that still live there. The rest of them have been completely annihilated. So mm. there's a crazy story to be told. There's so many stories to be told. And it's a really, really big challenge as a filmmaker to try to squeeze that story into a two hour film. But it's, uh, yeah. it's fascinating. And, and we feel honored to be able to bring the message mm. forward. I think that the idea of, the, of, of an environmental film as being a next logical project for us, it's, it goes back to what you were saying. You know, we have forgotten about, actually, I think, I'm not sure if, if you said it or if Taroni Lodog, who I was talking to right before we got on this call said it, but basically it's this idea that as we've, as we've become more disconnected from nature, our own identity of who we are as a species and not who we are as individuals has become really cloudy and that our health and our ability to be balanced, the mass, those masculine and feminine energies within us all to be balanced. We need to have a very intimate connection, connection to the natural world. And only by doing that will we ever be able to write ourselves mentally and psychologically and spiritually as a civilization, you know? It's so important. Um, I'm, so excited to come see your new house and the orchards that you have because I've been secretly like can we all just form a community and go live (laughs) off the land we'll have our own specialties we will you know maybe it'll just be so you know we've got to start we got to start somewhere I was like maybe we still get Amazon deliveries (laughs) but like we got to do something to just to start making that transition back into nature and really living with the land. Um, it's so important. And it really, it really kind of comes full circle with, with, you know, the human body and how we're going to heal. Cause it's like, we, we cannot separate ourselves from this planet. Yeah. So, yeah. I would say to be totally, to be totally candid, this house, um, that I'm in right now, where it's still being built, um, or renovated, and for a while there was no bathroom here. So I, would, I come here every day to work and I would pee like in the woods in my orchard out back. That's where I would yeah. pee. And, and um, it was like the best. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta like pee outside more often. 
this is really, this is really where it's at, you know? And so, and not only that, but like from another tree, from another apple tree over there, we didn't have a shower here. So we were actually living out in the driveway in our, in our RV, in the RV for right? most of the summer. And so we didn't have any running water. Um, and we weren't going to just use our RV shower the whole summer. So we bought these cool bags they sell in, in REI where it's like a big 10 liter uh, bag that has a little shower nozzle on the bo bottom and you hang it from a tree and you fill it with warm water. Or if you want to, they're black bags and they'll actually, if you hang, if you have all day, that'll actually heat up from the warmth of this, the summer. Um, and so we were showering in these, at first I was like, this is such bullshit. I can't live like this. What's and then by like two, two weeks into it, really kind of after the first time I took a shower out there, I was like sitting there underneath like this beautiful, like blossoming apple tree with like, you know, it's 75, 80 degrees outside, the sun's going down and I have like this warm water dripping on me in an orchard somewhere. And I'm like, you know, this is actually not that bad. <laughs> so, I mean, I, long story short, like I, I, yes, connection to the orchard in my backyard and the, the trees, like sometimes I'm in, I'm so wound up and we all get this way where you're so wound up from the things that have happened to you in a given day that you're like, there is nothing that's going to make me feel better right now. And like, sometimes the only thing you can think to do is turn to your substance of choice, which is oftentimes like a glass of wine or something like that mm -hmm. at the end of the night. But the crazy thing is if you just stand up and you go, like I'm going to do after this call real quick and walk outside and you just kind of sit there. Like I literally, I have like these cra this crazy juniper hedge out there too. I'll just like walk into the junipers and I'll just like stand there and I'll just be like, I'm like, and I'll just lose myself. I'll lose all track of time. And all of a sudden there's like this just re release of something. I can't even describe it. Um, and uh, you only can really experience it when you do it. But like, you think there's nothing that's going to make it better in your brain, in that little, that little, that little, you know, prison that you can find yourself in sometimes, but just walking into the woods and just kind mm -hmm. of like putting your head against the tree for a second and just kind of like letting yourself be it's just crazy how much that can just remove from your field, from your energetic the, field. the earth is so ready to hold you, you know, like she's so yeah. ready to hold you. And yeah. it's like, you can't explain it because it's not a mental thing, you know, because you're, you're feeling it and that's how you're able to communicate. And yeah, and she just, just kind of takes it from you. But, oh yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, you just got to do it. The problem, the hard thing is to actually get up and do it. You know, people just want to almost, they have a gravitational, there's a gravitational pull, you know, towards staying still and letting, letting whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing right now be the thing that you're going to do for a while, as opposed to being like, nope, I don't like this. I'm going to stand up. Nope. I'm actually going to stand up. I'm going to go outside. I know this is dumb. I'm just yeah. going to put just one foot in the other. I'm going to walk. I usually take my shoes off. That makes it even better if it's not too cold outside. And I'm just, I know it's all so stupid and it's not going to work. I'm, that's just, it's, but I'm just going to do it because I just want to, you know, try something. And then usually it's like 30 minutes later, you're like, dude, why don't I always do this? Why don't I yeah. always do this? You know, you're, and then you're, you're just in that new polyvagal state <laughs> and you're yeah. just, yeah. Oh, Nick, this was so awesome. I'm so happy to finally have you on the show. Where can people find you? Can they find me? They can find me <laughs> being in the hiding, orchard, <laughs> hiding in a side garage of a house that's that's still under construction. <laughs> um, they can find me. They can find us at thesacredscience.com. 
Um, that's where you can sign up for our mailing list if you'd like to. You can check out a bunch of the new articles we have coming out. We have a YouTube channel that we're starting to really, really blow up right now. It's just type in the Sacred Science documentary on in YouTube and you'll be taken to probably a channel that you can subscribe to of ours. Um, Instagram, type in the Sacred Science on Instagram. You'll see us on there. Um, and uh, yeah. You can catch me in the you can catch me in the, the uh, morphogenetic field too, just floating around in your in your 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 uh, the energy fields up in the ether sometimes too. <laughs> Whatever. Thank you. <laughs>
Radio Reloj. 5 de la mañana. No todo lo que es oro brilla. Remedio chino e infalible.